0: Uh, it's an in sync month. <laughs> it's going to be May. No? All right. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Larry got it? All right. <laughs> okay. Please turn your Bibles over to Mark chapter 5. We're going to be reading chapter 5, verse 1 to 20, as we continue in our series, The Miracles of Jesus. This is to remind us of the power of our Lord and Savior. Uh, in order to help us live our lives as Christians and help us in our prayer lives too. I'm going to begin reading. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Gerasinus. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, <clears throat> not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and then the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and in countryside. And the people went out to see to see what had happened when they came to jesus they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well when the people began to plead with jesus to leave their region as jesus was getting into the boat The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy, how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the songs that uh, we heard and sa- sang, Lord God, with the Praise and Worship team. May you please bless them for their faithfulness and willingness to con- constantly be used by you. I thank you, Lord God, for your prayer warriors that are here in this building this evening. I pray that you bless them as well, Lord God. Please open their hearts and their minds so that we will they will able, be able to receive your message for them. I pray now for me, Lord God, as you continue to use me as your vessel, Lord, please give me the wisdom to know what to say, what not to say. And I pray for your blessings to be upon us. Speak to us, guide us, and teach us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Jesus, I entitled our message tonight, Jesus' Power to Drive Out Demons. After Jesus performs an incredible miracle by calming the storm at the sea, Remember last week's message? He and his disciples arrive on the other side of the Sea of Galilee in the Gentile uh, region of Gerasenes. This story demonstrates Jesus is performing, Jesus performing another major miracle, this time involving the casting of casting out of demons, the first exorcism. It's not the movie that you watch. This is real, Alright? So the first point. For tonight, is evil spirits are real. Now, many wonder how the events of September 11 could have happened, right? We often hear the question, how could they hate us so much? What did they hope to gain? Some were duped into believing they would get a, up, get a place in paradise in return for dying for their God, right? That was that's the Muslim belief, right? But those who duped them, do not believe it, or they would have come out of the caves and they were hiding in and die like heroes because they made certain people to believe to do it, but they themselves didn't do it. So maybe tonight's sermon will give us a little insight with these evil actions that we know about. Um, how about school shootings, right? Like when you, when you when you hear about school shootings, how can one person hurt each innocent people at that age of anything, right? The atrocity and some, of, some others of which we hear seem to defy human nature, like a father raping his daughter or a mom selling her baby in the sex trade. You know, it's just, I don't know what's more evil, the mom that's giving the baby or the person that's buying the baby. Now, there is no profit for those who commit these horror, horrific actions. We can't think of any human reason for a mother drowning her five children. I remember hearing this. I don't know if you guys remember this in the news back in the uh, early 2000s. Again, a father raping his own daughter or a man boarding an airplane with a bomb in his shoe so he can kill hundreds of people, including himself. That's because these things don't come out of the human mind. Do you agree? That's why we find it so atrocious. That's why we find it so evil, because it's not normal. It shouldn't be normal. There is a supernatural evil force at work in our world today. Now, somebody's saying there, man, you're you're 44, 45. You're believing in evil spirits. Now, if you believe in God, you also have to believe in evil spirits. Not believe like, oh, worship them, but believe that they exist. We are in a cosmic conflict between good and evil. And we are all caught in that. Now, there's this other evil thing that's going on in our, in our country and in our world where, where there's a certain party in this country that's forcing, that's forcing us to believe and our children to believe that there are more than two genders. And that they want to impose this at a very early age in schools. Now, the story of what we just read, the story of Jesus casting out demons out of this one man is one of the most mysterious stories in the Bible. Why? Because our scientific mindset has led us to believe everything can be explained on the basis of natural causes. We think everything is, we can explain it, there's material proof, or else, it's not true. But that's not that, It's not that simple. There are things in this world that can't be explained and must be accepted on, only by faith. One is the existence of in, invisible, supernatural personalities and forces that inhabit the air around us and influence our lives and destinies. There is good, and there is evil. There is God. And there is Satan, and his demons. There are angels and the demons. Now, on verse two, and verse three, there, you know, Mark states that as soon as Jesus stepped out of the boat, he encountered a man possessed with many demons. The demon possessed man is described in several ways. He lived in tombs, so he's basically casted out, and then he was in the graveyard. Due to his condition, he was exiled from his city and from all human contact. He was all alone, separated from his family and friends. He was perceived as being dangerous by others. People had attempted to bind him in, with chains. And then the verse 3, you see there that he had supernatural strength, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Now, the encounter is explosive, right? Because Jesus was just coming out from the beach where he told the waves to calm down. So they must be really wet and tired and shocked. And then now they come out of the boat and now here's this man possessed with the demon, right? So the disciples boat beaches near a graveyard and a herd of pigs Both are ritually and culturally unclean for Jews. The the disciples must have hated that. As Jesus steps out, a crazy man storms out of a cavern, wild hair, bloody wrist. Can imagine it? Like what the crazy guy should look like? Some guys are yeah, like you. (laughs) But it's scratched skin, furry, encased, right? The beard must be long. Naked bedlam, arms flailing, and voice screaming. Right? That, that's, that's the scene. And then he had an inner spiritual problem. The guy that was possessed had an inner spiritual problem. The people tried to help him by restraining him physically when his problem was spiritual. All laws and regulations can do this. and do, all, all laws and regulations can do is treat the outer man. Right, That's what the law can do. That's what the laws in the world can do. It's just to treat us and our actions and our behaviors. But it can never treat or, or control our, our inner self, our hearts. And this is the same thing with this man here. In verse 3, the text says no one could bind him anymore. Apparently at one time they tried to subdue him. But again, he was too strong. And then he got away. Now, I believe that back in chapter 4 of Mark, when Jesus said, let us go over to the other side, he knew exactly, Jesus knew exactly where he was going. Because I'm thinking, I believe that Jesus probably heard about this man suffering and crying and being possessed and tortured by these demons. That's why Jesus said, let's go to the other side. In verse 4, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains. You see it there. And then in verse 5, he says, Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Now imagine, he lived in physical torment and mental and emotional pain. Mark tells us that he would cry out night and day, roaming the tombs and hills. He could not sleep much and could only shout and yell out in pain, and then he cuts himself with stones. See, I, I don't know if you guys know anybody that that does that to themselves when they're trying to, when they're not happy with their lives. They're cutting. It's called cutting, right? They're slashing their, their 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 wrist or their or forearm because they want to feel it. You know the the Greek word for cutting is katakupto means to cut oneself up. Katakupto. I know it's like Tagalog. It's like, Katakupto. <laughs> In the sense of gashing, hacking, or cutting one's whole body so as to leave it covered with scars. Now, there are demons and demon possession is real. Evil is real, Church. I know we're Southern Baptists, that's our denomination, and we try to just keep it like very conservative, you know. Only like eating pot bless you know. (laughs) Bible study, doctrines, proper, quiet. No, but you know what? Exorcism happened. The Bible doesn't choose a, a denomination. The Bible shows us what happened. And what it's showing here is that evil is real. Demons will possess people, and we are caught in the middle of a battle between good and evil. The spiritual realm is real. If we believe in God and His Word, it tells us that these evil spirits are lurking. The enemy is like a lion looking for somebody to devour. That's in Peter. For the Christian, there are two extremes that we must avoid when it comes to referencing satanic activities and c.s lewis puts it there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils one is to disbelieve in their existence the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them they themselves are equally pleased by both errors the devil and his cronies are equally pleased with both errors can be Uh, can be hail a a, a materialist or a magician with the same delight. We must recognize that they, evil spirits, exist. However, we must not be obsessed or consumed by their existence, that we have more interest and fear in them than interest and holy fear in God. That we will be fearful of them and not trusting in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you agree? So the people, that, I don't know if you guys say like, oh, "All right, fine, I believe there's a, there are evil spirits." I, I just want to. It can be at church too. You know, that's why divisions happen at church. Divisions happen at church because evil spirits are amongst. Uh, they can come here. So that's why, why am I saying this? Because this is why there's a great need when you pray for protection, mean it. Let it just not be the right thing to ask or right thing to say or right thing to pray. When you say, Lord, protect us from the evil spirits, from the evil one, you should mean it with a broken heart that there is nothing that we can do. Because you see the power of these demons? They possessed this man and they tortured him they made him suffer and there was no any there was no one else to help him except Jesus Christ. The second point of what we read is that demons know Jesus is God. Jesus know that Je- the dev- demons knew and the, the devil know that he knows that Jesus is God. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 1 John 4.4 4. For those of you who are scared of multo or ghost, this should be the verse that you're reciting to yourself. Greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. Greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. Which is why it's difficult to concentrate. Evil spirits are real. That's why it's difficult for us to concentrate, to pray, and then distractions and attacks happen when we're trying to read our Bible. Do you agree? This is why the microphones go off. The speakers blast when it's about time for me to say something. This is why you get sleepy. No, no, it's probably my message. But, <laughs> but this is why it's so hard to focus on listening to God because the devil and his cronies are out there to distract us. And you know what? This is the other scary thing. They hear our conversations. They hear the dissensions between the groups. They hear the whispers between husband and wife against a person. They hear, like, oh, the young adults don't like the youth group. The youth group don't like the old adults, you know, and the older adults don't like the young adults. And then all of a sudden, the devil and his cronies are like, you know what? I heard Ruth say this. So let's work on Ruth. And let's try to bother this group. I mean, think about it. If the enemy is real, which he is, do you think he's out there to, oh, let's create peace in the church. No, he's out there to destroy, to, to, to ruin unity. Right? He's there to kill and to steal our joy. That's why. As followers of Jesus, Satan cannot possess us. Amen? I just wanted to maybe clear that. If you're thinking like, oh my gosh. No, your husband is not possessive. He's a Christian. (laughs) No, he's just stubborn. (laughs) But Satan cannot possess us Christians. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But Satan and his cronies can bother us. If you have pride, and you read it in First Timothy, the devil will play with you. And it's in Ephesians, if you're bitter about something, the devil will use that bitterness. So we have to be careful with all these things. This, the devil, as much as he cannot possess us, he can certainly devour us. You read 1 Peter 5.8, and he does everything he can kill, steal, and destroy Now, verse 6 reads, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. And in verse 9, he said, Jesus spoke to him, what is your name? And he says, Legion, right? And then when the man spots, this is the funny thing. When the man spots Jesus from a distance, he runs up to Jesus and falls at his feet. And then what did he say? Son of God, right? Automatically. So, Again, folks, when you're trying to share the gospel to somebody and they say, oh, I know God, you, know, that's, you, you say, in your mind, don't, maybe, don't tell them, maybe don't tell them because it's offensive. Because even the demons know of God. Even the demons believe that there is a God. So when they say, oh, I believe that there is a God, that's not enough. Okay? That's not enough. There must be repentance. Because without repentance, they, they, they will not recognize that they need a Savior. Correct? Correct? But here, the the man spots Jesus from a distance. He runs up to Jesus and falls at his his feet. In his confrontation with the the demon-possessed man, Jesus commands the evil spirits to come out of the man. As simple as that. Just like last week, when Jesus commanded for the storm to to be silent, it's as simple as that. There was no conjuring, right? I said this last week. There's no wrapping, and Jesus wrapped his, his sleeves up. Puts his right foot in front of him, waves up, takes out the wand, right? There's no nothing. He just says, be silent. And same thing with the demon-possessed man. He says, come out. Come out. Why? Because Jesus is the ultimate authority. Jesus did not have to call on anyone else because Jesus is the ultimate authority. And Jesus is, if you accepted Jesus as your Lord, which I know all of us did here, That's your God. We serve the ultimate authority of everything. So when we come to Him, we come to Him in confidence that He can do what we ask of Him. If we ask it with a broken heart and if it's according to His will, God will do it. So we should approach Him with that confidence. Amen? You know, the other thing too is here. Somewhere along this man's life that was possessed... He probably made the conscious decision that he wanted to be free from God, right? That he wanted to be free from God's influence and God's teachings. That he probably wanted to be free from the restrictions and responsibilities of life. He probably wanted to be free to do what he wanted to do. And then what? At the end of the day, he did get it, didn't he? He didn't have to pay any rent. He didn't have to work. He lived in the tombs, right? He was free. He didn't want to be restricted by anybody's laws or commands, so he lived by himself, right? The works of Satan against us are to entice us to sin, afflict us with sickness, seduce us into error, and gets us to believe his lies. Oh, it's just one time you know it's good oh that's what they say but this is gonna satisfy you and then he condemns you once you fall also in the same way as with this man in the story the devil wants us to isolate ourselves from other believers remember he was living by himself to choose self-destructive tendencies to live in mental and emotional torment and to be overwhelmed with guilt shame and self hatred now again if it's from the Holy Spirit if we sin and we fall the Holy Spirit will tell us that we have made a mistake convict us of that that sin and will bring us to repentance meaning to bring us to say and realize I've made a mistake I'm so sorry Lord I'm going to turn away from this from this lifestyle from this thinking from this attitude that's from the Holy Spirit but if we are, when we sin, and then we say, you know what? I'm really not a good person. I will never change. You feel condemnation. That's from the enemy. So you have to be able to identify which one is which. Okay? And now, as a, so when, the per- when this person got his freedom, no shackle can bind him, no chain can hold him, He's no longer bound by social conventions, even to what to dress, right? He has no responsibilities to the society because society no longer wants him. You see, that's what sin does to us. That's what the devil wants for us to that's what the devil wants to happen to us. He first takes us away from, from people that are believers of Christ, takes us away from church, isolates us. Makes us believe that we are right in everything that we, we, our bitterness, our pride. We know better. I know better. I don't want to be surrounded by them. They're a bunch of hypocrites. I'm better. You know, it's, that's when we get trapped in that thinking. And then all of a sudden, the devil and his enemy, his, his cronies are just playing with us and then will finally devour us. Because at that point, when you have completely fallen down to sin, you're going to start thinking, I don't want to go back to church because they will judge me. Right? I've heard this so many times. You know, pastor, I'd go back, but I feel judged. And I say, by who? Who's judging you? You tell me and we'll talk to him or her. But could it just be that it's your guilty feeling that's bothering you to come back? Because if I tell you, if you go back to church, everybody will be happy to see you. But see, those are the lies. Once you fall, once you give in, it will be there. Now, most of us know what Christian behavior is and what it's not, right? But I am saying that a list of laws, a list of things to do, do's and don'ts, will not change you. But it's really a change of heart that will change you. Because listen to what how Jesus, remember how Jesus uh, helped him? He said, come out of him. Come out of him. He told the demons to get out. Jesus didn't say, you know what, before you talk to me, go take a shower. Go get dressed. Cut your hair. Cut your beard. Cut your nails. Brush your teeth. And then come to me and then talk to me. No. He didn't say, go back to your family and, say, and apologize to them and do the right thing to your neighbors because you, you stole their chicken and you ate it before you, you didn't even pay for it. No, he didn't tell them to do all that. What did Jesus say? Come out of him. Why? Because the real change for anybody is a change from the inside out. Amen? And if you can remember that it all started with us when we first accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. We, act, we asked him to dwell in us, right? In order for the devil in us to be removed. The control of the enemy no longer has us because now the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Now we have to think, think deep because that's true, right? Before you surrendered your life to Christ, you were under the control of the enemy. So now think about it. Now our neighbors, our friends and our families that have not surrendered their lives to Christ, you have to understand, we have to remind ourselves that the devil has them under his control. So what's the point of you telling them to stop drinking? So what's the point of you telling them to stop and leave their homosexual life? To stop gambling, to stop doing drugs? What's the point? I mean, I guess there is a point because it's harming them, it's killing them, right? It's, It's not good for them. That's the point. But you know what? That's so shallow because it will end. They'll probably end it just to make you shut up, right? Because they love you, they care about you, but it'll probably last for a week. But if there's no real deep change, and how will the deep change happen? Only if they accept Jesus as their Lord. That's why stop. You know, if somebody's trying to ask for counseling from you, Ask them, you need Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that will tell the devil in them, come out of this man. This is the third point. Jesus' power changes lives. Now, verses 11 and 13 is quite mysterious and funny. Because, you know, the, the demons went to pigs, Right? <laughs> This is why we don't eat dinuguan, guys, or barbecue pork. I'm not kidding. No. The demons begged Jesus to send them into the nearby herd of pigs, numbering nearly 2,000. And Jesus permitted them to enter the pigs. And then the pigs proceeded to run down the hillside, and then he committed suicide, right? <laughs> and then jumped on the ocean. Now, the presence of a herd of pigs were never clean for Jews, remember? Because they're considered unclean. And this miracle was taking place in a Gentile region. And then after hearing what happened, what did the people want to do? They were kicking Jesus out. They wanted him out. Look at this. Those who had seen it, it, described to them, and then they began to beg him to leave their region. Now, look. Just, let's, let's just think about that for a minute. They observed the formerly demon-possessed man now sitting and dressed and sitting there in his right mind. However, rather than celebrating this man's deliverance, they were afraid and pleaded with Jesus to leave the region. Now, although the scriptures do not explain why the townspeople begged Jesus to leave after this powerful miracle, the reason could have been the economic loss of 2,000 pigs drowning in the sea. No, seriously, right? That was such a big loss for them. 2,000 pigs. Think about it. I don't know how much a pig is right now. But our, our lichon on our last, uh, when we for last order was like, was it 450? Mm-hmm. That's cooked already, right? And that was tiny. So Imagine times 2,000, Right? So they probably were thinking, because they were like, this Jesus is going to kill all the pigs here, <laughs> right? This is going to kill our business. But this, is, but this is the point. Even if, you know, when you have your friends, when, and you're trying to share Jesus to them, and they say, I'll only believe him if he, if he shows up here. You know what? They won't. You know why? Because look at that. That's another account. That's not the only account. There have been many accounts where Jesus had done his miracles and showed how he healed the paralyzed man. He he restored the sight of the blind man. He cured the lepers, right? But did they believe who he is? No. So do you think your hard, your friend who has a hard heart towards God will actually really believe if he sees God and shakes his hand like, "How you doing, buddy? You asked for me. I'm here." What is he gonna say? Oh my gosh, an alien showed up. Or a ghost was in front of me. You know, I, recently I spoke to someone who was dear to me. And she shared to me how lost she was. This was yesterday. She said, I, I don't know. Nothing's making sense in my life. I'm achieving many things. You know, she, this person has a master's degree. And between her and her husband, they're making about, you know, close to $250,000 a year. But she feels lost. And she doesn't know what she wants, she said. So for me, whenever I hear that, that's like my biggest opportunity. Like, ah, oh, yeah, this is it. I'm going to give you the Lord. The Lord is who you need. So that's what I did. You know, Ecclesiastes meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. You know, I went through my spill. Mark 9, Mark 8, 36. For what is it for man that he gains the whole world yet pro- loses his soul? And I told her, if you're, if, you're, if you're tired, you know, you go to God. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, right? You know, come to me, all of you, weary and tired. And then, you know, all of that, her response is this. That's not what I need that's not what I need so I said wow that's funny because you just said earlier you don't know what you needed but you don't need God you're sure you don't need God I thought you were lost and I'm trying to show you the compass I'm showing you the north of us it's Jesus who you need." she goes nope that's not what I need but thank you for I know you mean well (laughs) that's a polite way of saying shut up leave me alone (laughs) right See, whenever people uh, tell you that if they will believe God, if, they don't want God. They want the if, right? I will believe God if He heals me from this cancer. They want the healing of the cancer. They don't want God. They want magic. They want power. I will only believe God if he restores my marriage, they don't believe, they don't want God. They want the marriage. I only believe God if he can bring back my daughter. They don't really want God. They want their daughter. So what does that mean for us? It means that as you have shared the gospel, when you shared the gospel, as you live your life as a good testimony for God, don't try so hard. Pray harder. Pray harder. Right? Because there's the demons that are distracting them, that have given them the lies, and the lies that they have bought into, they're so ingrained in there. And then the only way that can battle a supernatural power like that is a supernatural power that's a lot powerful than what's controlling them. And we can only do that through prayer. That's why prayer is so important. Amen? You know, In, in verses 18, um, the, uh, now the, de- the demon-possessed man is wanting to stay with Jesus and serve Jesus, which is the natural effect, right? That's For anybody who has been saved by God and they know that am I, I am released from this big burden that's been bothering for many years, now I want to live for you. That's the natural reaction of anybody that's been truly saved. They want to live for God and serve God. And look at what Jesus, but Jesus told him, stay here and you share. So isn't that, isn't that the funny thing? The first missionary that Jesus has assigned was a demon-possessed man. <laughs> so if you think you're not worthy to share Jesus, if you were demon-possessed, he, he can still use you, right? <laughs> However, the good news is that Jesus, Jesus is our deliverer. As children of God, we are engaged in an epic struggle with the kingdom of darkness. You can read that in Ephesians 6.12. And then God's kingdom. The truth is that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's in 1 John 3.8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The Greek word for destroy means to loose from ropes or straps or to set free. Look at Colossians 2.15. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected from the dead, Jesus won that, vi- that, that battle, that war for us. So we need to never lose focus of that because the enemy has no power against Jesus. Death cannot, cannot hold Jesus. And at the same time, the enemy cannot hold us. But again, the enemy can use the things that we have, right? The sin, we, we are, we, the devil plays with the things that are enticing to us. If they know that they are, we are being prideful, we are being bitter, you know, they, that's how we're going to sin. And that's how they're going to play with us, with those things. Satan's works are conceived as chains, those are the things that binds us. Remember? That's why they say, what are the bondage? You were in this kind of bondage. You were in gambling. You were in drugs. You were, you were in porn. You know, it's, those are the things that binded you. But then once Jesus came in your life, you have been released from those things. Jesus has conquered Satan and evil. And this is um, 1 John 5.5. 5. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Us, Christians. If you are a Christian, you can win through these battles because you have the Holy Spirit in you. Amen? Now, um, Bong lived in a... Bong moved. Yeah, he did. He bought a house near a cemetery... And then, you know, ever since then, he, for some odd reason, he loves to walk in the cemetery during nighttime. You know, he takes a stroll. One night, he was unaware of a grave that was newly dug in his path, and he fell in it. Yeah. Now, for some time, Bong tried to struggle to get out of it, but since Bong was only five feet tall and the the thing was seven feet deep, he couldn't get out. So he just said, you know what, I'm going to give up. I'll just get out of this tomorrow. And an hour later, a neighbor of his was hunting squirrels. And then, um, he, then he didn't see the, the, the hole too, and he also fell in the same grave where Bong was. Now, because it was so pitch black, he didn't see that Bong was there. So, But he began to desperately attempt to get out this neighbor. And then Bong listened for him for a few minutes, and then Bong stood up, reached, and, got, and, and held the neighbor on his shoulder. And Bong said, neighbor, you can't get out of here, but I can. And then jumped off using him as a leverage on his shoulder. <laughs> now, <laughs> Jesus died on the cross. Jesus took our place in that grave so that we can get out of it. Jesus died on the cross and paid for it and shed his blood so we can get out of it to pay for it. Jesus did it for us so we can get out of it. So now there's no point for you to stay in there, Christians. There's really no point for us to stay in a defeated life. If you have fallen this week, I pray that you will know the truth of what Jesus has done for you. Remind yourself that you have been paid for. Even that, right? Yes, you're, you're gonna think like, oh my gosh, it just happened five minutes ago. Yeah, even that. God has paid for that. So we have to, just like, just like the the the, the demon-possessed man, after he experienced Jesus' uh, power and Jesus releasing him from the, the control of the demons. And legion, that's legion It's not one demon that was in him, right? Legion is a lot. But 6,000 is the right number, I, 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 would, I think. Now, Jesus died on the cross to shed his blood as payment for our sins. He went to the grave in our place so we can live for him. He didn't take us out of the grave so we can not live for him. And in verse 20 says, So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. Because of Jesus' mighty power, because of God's mighty power, we are saved. The Jesus that saved and changed that demon-possessed man is the same Jesus that we serve. We have to start believing it, and we need to start acting like it. Amen? Now, again, knowing that evil is real, our prayer life should improve. Don't you agree? I submit that to you, my brothers and sisters. Evil, are, the, the, evil spirits are there trying to get us. Evil spirits are out there trying to divide our church, trying to ruin our unity, trying to ruin our fellowship. The devil is out there trying to ruin families. The devil is out there trying to ruin friendship. The devil is out there trying to just ruin the testimony of God in your life. So your biggest defense through that is Jesus himself. And how? Can you win in that battle down on your knees amen by sincerely praying with a broken heart saying lord please protect me please protect my family from the plans of the enemy provide to us a protecting hedge and give us the strength to battle through amen amen that is our message tonight thank you for your patience please join me in the word of prayer Father, I thank you for your message tonight for us. We thank you for reminding us of your power, Lord, that, um, that evil spirits bow down to you, Lord God, as, as, the, as storms obey your commands as well because you are the ultimate authority of everything in this world and in our lives. We thank you, Father, for the security, Lord God, the affirmation that no demons can possess us, your loved ones that you have told us that we can win in this battle because you are with us. So I pray, Father, for all my brothers and my sisters, Lord God, that we will see the importance of prayer, about asking for your, your, for your help and your for, for your protection as we continue to battle through life. I pray that you protect us from the attacks of the enemy. I pray that you, just, you deliver us, Lord God, from, from evil, Lord God. And do not bring us into temptation, Lord. Don't let us be tempted, Father. I pray, Father, that you will give us all the wisdom to know what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say at times of weakness, Father. I pray, Father, that you just guide us, protect us, and bless us. And may we all live for you, Lord God, according to how you deserve it. And may we all continue to rest in you with the power that you have and with the love that you have for us. All these things we ask in your Son's sweet and mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. amen, amen. Let's all rise for the closing song.